Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware, weather ready teak, and quick dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So this probably doesn't need to be said again by now, but trauma's most devastating effect is probably feeling like you're going batshit insane per all of the cognitive disorders that we have already discussed. Like, it's bad enough to be consistently depressed, anxious, and isolated, but I think it's another thing entirely when all of these symptoms start combining into a dizzying daily executive control failure that honestly begs the questions of, am I losing my fucking mind, though? Or, do I have less personal capacity than before? Or is my brain actually different from the way that it used to be when it was highly functional? Well, you know, in a way, yes. As in, you might be losing control of your brain, which is surprisingly easy to do. And that's like 50% of the way that everybody functions these days in our society. But all of that has nothing to do with losing control permanently or losing yourself, which is a way to say nothing is irreversible. You are not stuck like this forever. And it all means absolutely nothing about your inherent worth as a living organism. So right away, let's just say, please don't worry about this so much. I know that it feels completely terrifying and shameworthy, but it's not. This isn't your fault, and it is all completely fixable. That is why we talk about plasticity for trauma recovery on the show, like, all the time these days. But today, in this recap mini-series, let's just talk about how your brain running off completely unsupervised is possibly creating more dramatic results than when, let's call them less cognitively extreme folks, have the same things happen. As in, why other trom-normie people really don't have to watch their thoughts or emotions or guide their brain processing quite as much as we do. It's because, number one, 
Your head is full of more garbage quality automatic learning than theirs is. Number two, that information is littered with survival responses that are very difficult to control. And number three, because a lot of that trash learning has set you up for having less human functioning capacity. So let's take a step back and put the brain into its place. Let's understand the limitations of this meat organ and the ways that we actually can work with it. Kind of my favorite topics these days. Because no, you are not your brain. You are not your past. You are not broken or sick or damaged if your mind is a bit mixed up or if it's caught in a processing spiral. But your head will determine your personality, your perspective, your belief in yourself, and therefore the rest of your life. So it seems pretty worth understanding a bit better if you want that whole rewiring thing to happen, huh? Well, I think that at the crux of it, we all need to realize that our brains are only so capable from the get-go. Yes, they do incredible things. But they're actually just biological organs, auto-organizing sacks of chemicals controlled by electrical gradients designed to pick up details about your environment in order to create emotions and behaviors for down the road. They're like sticky pieces of tape connecting event to event, trying to help you remember, oh shit, this strategy works under these conditions, and oh no, this is absolutely not the right thing to do when these variables are present so that you can make decisions and so that you're primed to make these reactions and discriminations very, very fast. You know, the same way that every other animal does it. Now, all of this is just contained in nothing more than your neuronal cells. They somehow encode data bits into synaptic firing rates in these vast networks of brain cells that get strung together in order to create stories in your head about every situation that are broken down into before, during, and after, or antecedent behavior consequences, if you want to get more behaviorally scientific here. Then, your brain just uses perceptions of this data, which you are automatically picking up and sticking somewhere in your think box, not necessarily accurately or realistically sorting that information into the right piles, mind you, just putting similar trends in similar piles, in order to make faster-than-the-speed-of-light decisions for you every minute of every day of your life. Now let's stop and think about that for like one second already here. You are encoding everything that you meaningfully experience. Whether that meaning is correct or not, you have absolutely no idea because you're asking your head to make judgments about everything already contained within itself in order to make judgments about the new information streaming in. And you never really know if the original data was corrupted in the first place. You get what I'm saying? Like, your brain is the conduit between the physical world and your actions, but that conduit might be constructed completely wrong from day one. And then, every day after that, 
you activate those potentially inaccurate neural connections faster than we can actually comprehend, making microsecond decisions based on links that are just the easiest for you to engage, and then using patterns in your head that are kind of closest to the forefront of your brain, and hoping for the best. So best case scenario, you're correct, and that realistic set of neural connections is strengthened. Worst case scenario, you are wrong. (laughs) You make a mistake, you don't get the end result that you were hoping for, and now you're going to spend a long time being embarrassed, shameful, and ruminating, trying to build a new behavioral program contained in a set of new synaptic connections for the next time while also having to go back and rewrite all of the instructions that have been proven incorrect through this most recent failure. It's really an overwhelming feat, if you think about it. Being a brain that has to encompass and logically encode every happening you ever experience. And that is exactly why I think our stupid fucking brains need to be cut a little slack especially in the aftermath of pervasive trauma. Like, from the very start, your brain is just doing a lot of information grabbing, organizing, and guesstimating. You know what I'm saying? As much as we put it on a pedestal, your head is not infallible in interpreting your environment or history or future. It makes up stories to do all of these things, It predicts events as quickly and as accurately as possible, but the instructions or translations of events that it contains might be flawed from the start. So you can kind of think of your brain like a lint roller, scooping up everything that makes you have an emotional or attentional response, and then only later coming to the wise understanding of what matters and how all of which can only be done through repeated trials that confirm or deny the original hypothesis, therefore leading to idea solidifications or complete reconsolidations. And all of this is going to take years for you to conduct. And it'll have to be done on a continual basis. Your neural connections are going to have to be audited and edited constantly to match with continually newly available data, which is going to be very exhausting and disorienting in the moment. So all of this being said, I'm telling you that our brains have the potential to spin out of control if we are not managing them, if we aren't keeping them clean, reorganizing the information that they're automatically collecting, re-examining our thought processes and emotional responses as we jump from neuron to neuron, and regulating our lower-brained automatic reactions to be in line with our higher-level human goals. And then, this can all only be a lot more problematic when you have a history of trauma that leaves you with unprocessed, upsetting neural connections as well as a lot of unhealthy information about how life can possibly progress based on all of the shit that you've already seen. Obviously, this is where triggers are going to come from. So let's talk less generally about the brain 
and more specifically about trauma. How about that? So we traditionally talk about triggers as trauma-pinging environmental details that bring up unwelcome, unprocessed, overwhelming information and sensory events that are kind of half-contextualized in the brain. Flashbacks, hallucinations, panic attacks, and major dissociative events take place in this manner. And it is pretty much this simple. If you see the color purple and it sufficiently reminds you of the purple at your grandma's house the day that she beat you with a switch, you're going to be triggered into diving down the corresponding neural pathway that encodes all of that information, and you will be recalling those painful, still half-alive memories in very vivid detail, like they're real life today, right now. And the only connection was purple here in current life, and an obscure memory of purple from however many years ago that just so happened to get stuck into that shitty old story from grandma's house. That is enough of a pattern to light up a certain synaptic firing code, and you're suddenly swimming in that neural network as though it's happening here, now. Does that make a lot of sense on a trauma basis? Yeah, it's all those sensory triggers and times when your emotions tumble into more emotions pretty succinctly explained. But the thing is, we can also trigger ourselves into any brain pathway, any of them at all. Every single stimulus in your environment, essentially, is a trigger capable to activate some neural network. Whether or not it's a destructive cognitive influence just depends on the questions. Is this a survival situation? Do you have good information contained in those connections? How cleanly are the synapses organized? Are they strongly connected? And how often are they being utilized? So if your head is filled with unhealthy information cultivated across a whole lifetime, such as calling yourself worthless, having reasons for fearing other people, and narratives from others that include your eventual failure in a diverse set of circumstances, well, then you're probably going to feel like you have a very hateful, depressed, defeated, demotivated, and out-of-logical-control brain in an equally diverse set of situations. If every environmental trigger leads you back to, I suck, but you rightfully don't connect the narrative to the event from like 24 years ago when it was first created, then you won't feel like there is a reason for your rapid emotional and cognitive change. And you also won't feel like you're really directing the show around here. Depression feels untreatable and your shitty self-analysis, which is actually probably someone else's imposed analysis from all those years ago, becomes more of a core belief than an occasional self-effacing moment set off by one random brain connection. So I'm saying in all of this, really, it's not you and it's not your brain that's the problem. 
It is the information and the information arrangement within the organ. It's the data that you've accidentally picked up over a lifetime that needs to be examined, sorted, disputed, and culled. What are really your observations and what have others impressed upon you? What's really going on here right now? And what's your potentially off-base interpretation, which is based on a historical filter contained at the root of your neural connections? So there you go. The information you've already picked up really matters. What you've seen and haven't seen matter. The next thing that you need to worry about in this whole brain game is how your neural networks are organized. Like if the brain cell linkages are incestuous, overgeneralized, or too compartmentalized, you're going to end up with problems. You can find yourself accidentally overconnecting an informationally incorrect, self-destructive pathway to like basically every situation, for example. All or some roads, again, could be accidentally programmed to lead back to the cells that say, this is hopeless, I'm worthless, and there's no point in trying. Does that mean it's correct? No. So why does it exist? Honestly, just because you have thought about it a lot before. (laughs) You've stitched these brain cells together through repeat sequential activation that has puzzle-pieced historical events into this now well-established thought pathway, which makes it feel like it's a fact. And to make matters even worse, You accidentally wired those self-hating synapses with tons of potential triggers in your daily life by connecting your thoughts with environmental details. So is there a cost for just thinking shitty thoughts that your brain needs to work out? Yeah, there is. You're making them stronger. You're making them easier to turn on and harder to escape once you're in the full throes of it. And if that doesn't explain, like, half of our cognitive problems and concerns about losing it, I don't know what does. Living in toxic environments and social communities will create toxic neural information nuggets connected by rapidly shaming linkages that have been applied to tons of daily situations you can't avoid. Later, when you can't avoid them, you wonder why your subsequent thoughts feel like poison and your behavioral output isn't exemplary. You also probably have the tendency to overthink and analyze things, which is only making those neural linkages all the more potent. And then you wonder why your thoughts tend to be stubbornly negative and defeating, rapidly changing, difficult to predict, and triggered by every inert stimulus in your environment. Well, this is why. So now you know why these seemingly random thoughts, cognitions, and emotions jump up out of nowhere. Now let's explain some other trauma phenomenon. So implicit in this talk has already been the pervasion of shame, anxiety, and fear spirals. 
you ping a cell that leads you down one of your overgeneralized terror pathways, and the next thing you know, you're trapped there. I like to think of this as a dense cluster of neural cells, intertwined and redundantly connected to each other, with a lot of glial cell helpers that kind of keep the signal concentrated in one area. They keep the energy contained and they keep activating those cells. Is this exactly how it works? Maybe not 100% correct, but it's in line with what I know so far and it definitely is how it feels when it's happening to you. When you accidentally trip down a thought pathway that leads to this area, which honestly is probably a bit of a popular destination in your mental landscape, you create an energetic hot spot in a way. Energy is flowing through these cells, triggering them in a circular and signal propagating fashion. The terminals of one neuron containing negative information that induces a fear response lead back to another neuron that does the same, but possibly from a slightly different perspective or a deepening of information that really makes you freak out further. And then we get stuck. We just kind of spin around in these shitty synapses, getting increasingly upset as they also start activating associated terrible pathways. In what other situations have you felt this terrible or seen something equally upsetting? Well, your brain is going to start automatically activating some of those connections too. Again, it's just a neutral biological organ absorbing your environment. It's going to group like information with like information, It doesn't know whether or not similar data is actually similarly relevant. It just inherently doesn't have the ability to judge good or bad information, but it wants you to hang on to all of it in case it comes up again later. So this is how you wind up, number one, panicking. Number two, being unable to break the panic. And number three, getting sucked into a recollective hole of all the times that are similarly panic-worthy, while number four, seemingly being unable to turn the circuit off because it's a bit masturbatory in the way that it sustains its own activity at the opportunity cost of, you know, having other logical, calming, realistic, self-regulatory thoughts. There's no prefrontal cortex access here, friend. And does that explain half of the time that you're trying to sleep at night? Yeah, you're welcome. You aren't losing your mind. You're just running on poorly programmed cells and having trouble deactivating them because your supervisory cells are not available right now. They're tired and they want the assholes who live below them in the lower level brain to shut the fuck up. But they can't make it happen when they have no energy left. This is why your executive functioning, being totally zapped, is a problem, and why you can't regulate your own brain. Let's see, what other trauma-relevant details can we cover here? How about addiction and bad habits? Like, do you want 
to keep using booze, cigarettes, and recreational drugs to kill time. Maybe um, meaningless relationships, social distractions, and uh, self-gratifying spending? Probably not. But do they feel like automatic processes more than choices you're making every time you pick up a pack? Probably yes. This is just a stress relief solution contained in neural connections that your brain has likely overgeneralized to way too many situations from an emotionally common trend. As in, when you get stressed or riled or sad, whether it's at work, at home, at your mother-in-law's house, you activate cells that lead from physical response to put a bottle in your mouth, you will feel better. And this functions as a distractive, energy-conserving measure that feeds itself with a nice little dopamine bump, right? As in, you would much rather engage that neural pathway that leads to the uh, bad habit, but it also leads to some sort of positive bodily reinforcement through your own feel-good chemicals. Rather than trying to keep activating this neural pathway over here, which is causing these punishing, uncomfortable feelings in your body, the craving kicks in when you're in a state of distress. You don't necessarily like what you're doing, but your brain wants to keep doing it because it feels better than the other option. Plus, it's much easier to activate a heavily utilized, physically relieving, cognitively distracting set of neurons than it is for you to sit there and synthesize new connections from all of this difficult data that you're digging through, right? So that disturbed, uncomfortable feeling you get when you're confused or approaching an unknown set of conditions I like to think that's the sensation of needing to build new brain connections. It's energetically costly, it requires re-examining old neural synapses, and we hate it because we'd rather just run on automatic programming than to consider what we've done wrong so far and rewriting it. So every time we hit an energetically costly wall where we need to reorganize or integrate linkages in our heads, not only is dopamine going to create addictive outcomes, but we'd rather just skip down this neural escape exit over here that brings us quickly away from the cloud of confusing details and leads instead to the sweet chemical relief of whatever it is you use to numb out of your brain and body and stop trying so hard to reassess life, right? Now, again, in a way, you lost control of your brain in this case of bad habitry, but only because you're following biological programming, learned instructions, and biochemical voltage gradients. So, don't be so hard on yourself when you do the thing again that you swore you weren't going to do. Just understand why your head loves to self-sabotage. Catch the feeling leading up to the action, and you can stop the behavior before it gets too heavily craved to turn back towards safety. Now, quickly, as long as we're already talking self-sabotage and other bad habits— 
Let's also mention that there's a dissociative event often taking place during these times, especially if we're discussing self-harm. As we've said already, during extreme emotional upheaval, we will flip into our survival system activation and lose access to our fancy frontal brain where logic happens. And what takes place then? Well, we're operating on survival hormones, survival responses, and animal instincts. And all of those biological drivers just function based on sensory input and relief of that sensory input. So, will those bodily animal instincts sometimes tell you to do things that your human brain would not agree with? Yeah. Will we turn to physical comforts? Yes. Will we sometimes turn our aggression inward to impart physical pain that we can better understand than emotional pain? Yes. Will I eat an entire jar of peanut butter in a dissociative event and not even notice what I am doing with my logical human brain? Oh, yeah. If you find yourself self-sabotaging or self-harming on a regular basis, you might also want to consider how often you're dissociating and pinpointing the triggers that push you into a disintegrated animal versus human brain. And um, that's our lecture on brain programming, feeling like losing your grip on reality. It's actually pretty damn simple, right? At the root of it, your brain just is not as smart or self-supervisory as we like to think it is. A human brain is more advanced than animal brains, yeah, but it's really not that different. We need to stop glamorizing the prefrontal cortex as the omnipotent source of all accurate knowledge and regulation abilities, because that compartment isn't even always available to us, let alone the fact that we don't know what is true or accurate until we know what is untrue and inaccurate. I think we drive ourselves halfway to insanity trying to identify with a sack of fat, water, and protein powered by salt that just makes up stories for us to function semi-smoothly based on what we think we understand about what we think we've seen so far. I'm just saying, celebritizing the brain so much has really not helped humanity. But overall, I think the part of all of this that will really fuck you up in this discussion of brain functions is when all of these poorly trained think box events are happening at once. When you're having depressed thoughts, repeat survival system triggering events, addictive behaviors, intrusive and spiraling cognitive traps all at one time. All of which inherently come with a loss of executive function, such as planning and decision making. And you know, all in all, it feels like going completely off the deep end when you don't recognize your thoughts, feelings, and behaviors as your own, and you have no capacity left to make them start or stop anymore. But to answer the question posed by this whole post, you know, 
you may have accidentally made some bad connections or created some shame spiraling superhighways with inescapable traffic circles that keep you obsessive, but you can regain mental control again. And honestly, that's what I talk about more than anything these days on this show. It's less diving into the past and really discovering drama and a lot more understanding your stupid fucking brain for the sake of rewiring it into the future. So you don't have to live in trauma responses with flawed data forever. You can be the captain of your own brain and therefore your own life again. Right now, we are over there on the private podcast stream talking about the hierarchy of brain processing and how that obviously relates to the process of trauma recovery so that you can finally regain access to your prefrontal cortex and control this whole thing from the top down again. So if this is the sort of thing that you're interested in, you might want to jump in now. You can hit up t-mfrs.com, traumatizemotherfuckers.com, or go straight to patreon.com slash traumatizemotherfuckers if you want to get the whole brain story so far and the continuing contributions from, yes, my bio-obsessed self, but also from motherfuckers like you from around the world talking about their experiences so far. Get the education, validation, support, and acceptance you need that maybe your head hasn't been experienced in rearing or retrieving before. And until next time, when we're going to come back and talk about the lifelong trauma trap of avoidance, rigidity, and isolation contained within, quote, safe trauma bubbles, try to see your brain for what it is a well-meaning, automatic learning machine that can only function with the information and context that it has experienced so far. And cut yourself a goddamn break already. That's it, guys. My name is Jess. I've got quite a brain running over here, for better or for worse. And I can't wait to talk to you next time. Cheers, y'all. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.